Welcome to Permaweb Pioneers. We feature individuals, companies, projects, and more building on the Permaweb, a global, decentralized, and community-owned web built on top of Arweave. The hosts of this podcast and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All opinions of the hosts and the guests are their own. Nothing discussed on this podcast can be relied upon for investment decisions, nor is it investment advice. This podcast is solely for entertainment and informational purposes. In this episode of the Permweb Pioneers, I'm speaking with one of the co-founders of the FAIR AI protocol, Thiago Ferra. He is joining us from Portugal, and um, I may have gotten his last name a bit wrong there. However, happy to have you here, Thiago. Thiago is working on a decentralized marketplace for open source AI models, of course, all on Arweave. Thiago, welcome to the Permweb Pioneers. Hi, um, I'm a huge fan of this podcast, so I'm really happy and excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I'm so glad to to have you here. Uh, just for fun, if you don't mind, just uh, you know, stating your name as it as it's meant to be spoken. That'll be great. Okay, Tiago okay. Ferreira. All right. Well, uh, Tiago, I'm really glad to have you here. We were able to meet in Berlin along with your other fellow co-founders and had a great time, a great experience at the fifth anniversary of Mainnet uh, of the Arweave protocol. And uh, we're able to have a number of conversations that spanned Portuguese and AI and Arweave and everything in between. So it's nice to be speaking with you now on the Permweb Pioneers podcast. Um, and it's great to hear that you're, you're a fan and a listener yourself. So, you know, before we begin, I'd just like to, to hear your version of what Fair AI protocol is like. What is it at a high level? How do you describe it when someone asks? Okay, well, the way I describe it is that it's a decentralized marketplace for AI computation and AI generated content. Uh, but maybe a simpler explanation: um, it's like if you would join ChatGPT or and Midjourney, but you would join them in a marketplace, and but ChatGPT and Midjourney would be open source. And also, they would be run not on a centralized server, but anyone could run those those AIs. And from the user's perspective, uh, every AI-generated content that you you would get from ChatGPT or Midjourney, you you own them. So you could trade it, you could you could sell it, you could do whatever you want with it. Um, overall, I, I would describe it like this. So Hansa, the uh, investments and incubator um, kind of firm, if you will, uh, entity, they just had the actually open AI hackathon uh, in, in September of 2023. And, you know, there's been a lot of kind of critique towards open AI not being open. Um, obviously, this is a cause of concern. Um, when you think about these tools and these platforms and these services like OpenAI, you know, there's some issues, right? They're, they're not open, even if it's in their name, apparently. So is this part of the impetus? I mean, did you notice this disconnect and say, hey, wait a second, there's a different way to do this. Let's put our energy into actually opening things up. What's the Genesis story as it relates to 
fair AI protocol? Oh, that's a long answer. Uh, but yes, I, I, I would say starting from the beginning, yes, uh, open AI. Yeah, that's funny because when we started the, this whole thing, we were thinking like we should be open AI, not not them, because they have a closed source model and they are in a in a yeah in a closed source environment, and we are the ones really trying to open things. And uh, that's where the whole fair name came from, because, uh, well, if we cannot grab open, then at least we are fairer. <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah, the, the whole story behind it, um, I will try to be concise. Uh, it all started in uh, around 2019, uh, basically Luis, one, one of our co-founders. Uh, we, we, the three co-founders, we did the bachelor uh, together uh, on uh, informat in, in um, software engineering. And basically, at the end, you would need to make a thesis. And uh, in 2019, the thesis of Luis was around blockchain, and mine and Marcio, that is the other co-founder, was around AI. And um, so the three of us, we were friends, and uh, we, we got pretty excited about these two technologies. Uh, but at the time, yeah, you, you didn't, it wasn't a bull market, and also ChatGPT hadn't, uh, wasn't a thing yet. So basically, we didn't get jobs in any, in any of those two areas. So we went to a normal Web2 company uh, working for normal uh, web development um, for three years. And uh, during that time, COVID happened. And basically, we were a little bit boring, uh, bored uh, with, with our jobs. And we were trying to, yeah, to, to, to work somehow in more high-tech uh, stuff. So we decided to enter the three of us in a master's degree of, uh, of AI. Um, um, and basically... On that master's degree, uh, that's yeah. When we entered, we were pretty excited with AI, and it wasn't a thing yet. ChatGPT still didn't have happen. But after one year, uh, basically, yeah, we ChatGPT happened, and we were starting to like you're explaining, like we're starting to see Sam Altman and others telling, okay, our vision is to make an AGI or something like that that basically would make money for us and. We're like, okay, this is a really dystopian world, kind of West world kind of thing. So we didn't like that vision. Also Google and all the data that they have and all the advantage they now have to, to, to build new AIs. And this is where our concern started. And uh, at the same time, because of the Louis thesis and from, from, from that time, we, we were always learning more and more about blockchain, we start to to feel that we could join those two technologies in, in a way that no one else had, and that we could join the decentralization of blockchain with the, all the advantage that AI has. And uh, yeah, our whole vision was to build a better AI uh, that and, and try to monetize the open source AI. So if AGI or a sentient AI um, is built, then we don't need, we don't need it to to be controlled by um, a small group of entities and it will be shared by everyone in an open and transparent way. Wow, so a lot of extraordinary components in there. Uh, first of which is three co-founders. Uh, that is, uh, I think, a little bit different than what many individuals hear about. You know, it's a two, two co-founders, or I know there are entities out there that have several co-founders. And then also that you all went into getting master's degrees, right? Together? Yes. Is that 
Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, so you guys must have a real dynamic. I mean, obviously, I saw it in person in Berlin, and there's a great rapport that you all share with one another. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit as to the dynamic between you three and your experience, you know, with interest in blockchain and AI? You already shared a bit of it. What is it? What is it like to to have that tide of a, a crew from the beginning? Yeah, the, yeah, the, that's an interesting question. Um, indeed, you, you are correct. Like we did most of our bachelor group projects together, and also the masters uh, group projects together. We entered to the masters together. Be- one of the reasons was because of that. So, so we could help because of those dynamics that we have uh, already had. And uh, yeah, I, I think we have a pretty much complementary uh, skills. Uh, let's call it like that. Um, and and we. Yeah, we are used to work with each other for years uh, from, from, from college and we already know it's pretty natural when we start working together on a new project where each one of us should go and uh, what it should do. Yeah, I imagine there is real a real leg up to have more of context and relationship understanding amongst yourselves. Having worked on a number of projects, it's it's I assume in in undergrad and your bachelor's and then going on to your master's, uh, those those bits and pieces of building something are so important and increasingly so when there's challenges. You know, building something like this is not simple. There's a lot that has to be invented because it it hasn't existed before. Can you share some maybe of those challenges that you faced in building out Fair AI protocol? And some, perhaps some some learnings or examples of how you've been able to overcome that. Um, yes, sure. Um, well, the the whole thing started uh, like yeah when in the beginning the, the biggest challenge like, like we had the problem but we didn't know how to fix it. And uh, before we go to Arwe, for example, we try with IPFS, but we had some problems. We we were trying different things. We were trying to decentralize the training. Now uh, our marketplace is trying to decentralize the prompts and uh, the computation behind the prompts. But at the time we were using also IPFS and uh, that was okay to a proof of concept. But for example, to to have uh, um, it's you, you, you need to be paying month, uh, a month by month basis. And that is a big problem if you want. It's not a great user experience. So when we found out more about Arweave and uh, what they were building, and especially that you could pay once and have everything stored forever, that was a big selling point to us. And uh, that was uh, one of the problems that we found out. Also, the whole user experience on uh, Web3 is not great. And um, we we have been trying to position ourselves as a... We are trying to use blockchain as a complement uh, a complementary technology and not using blockchain because yes and um, as thinking of that uh, it's pretty hard at the moment uh, we clearly see a lot of advantage of using blockchain but on the other side it's really hard for us to compete with uh, web 2 applications that are doing similar things to us but don't have the same advantages in terms of user experience we are also trying to accomplish that and um, that's that's by using user feedback also by the Arweave ecosystem is growing and uh, there are happening stuff all the time. And um, we are also looking into using OTENT and uh, using all kinds of mechanisms that we could use to, to simplify this, those processes. So I would say, yeah, um, 
those were our main um, yeah our main problems and also thinking on the old architecture in the beginning there's, there's of course a lot there, and and you mentioned a number of things that you know for anyone uh, is a lot to overcome and get through, of uh, you know shifting um, from something you know like IPFS to to Arweave, you know obviously fortunately the the experience with Arweave is is pretty straightforward for those that that do make that change, um, that's just one one layer to it right, and from what I understand you're using Bundler to speed up. Uh, transactions and things like that what are what's what what are the kind of the, the the layers of the stack if you will that fair ai is built on um well it's when you upload models to our marketplace um like you're saying we use bundler so basically um, we do to speed up and also to yeah to be faster yeah to be faster and uh, besides bundler what we use is um we have bazaar integration. So when you when you receive uh, uh, the AI generated content, you can sell it on bazaar. That uh, is a new marketplace from the ecosystem, and um, and also we are we don't have it yet, but we are trying to to um, to incorporate stamps. So you can vote on all the, the on all AIs and all the assets on everything that's on our platform. And also, um, we are trying to implement now with Rareweave, so people could choose if they, they want to sell their assets in Rareweave or on Bazaar or any other uh, kind of um, marketplace. Um, well, I, I would say those are our main integrations and, and within, inside the ecosystem. It's great to hear about this and to actually see it in practice because this notion of composability of connectedness is something that, you know, I myself have spoken a lot about on this podcast. And fortunately, I've been able to speak with a lot of founders like yourself that are actually like doing the thing, right? You're actually connecting the dots. You're actually linking these things. And a great example that you've just shared is that link with Bazaar, bazaar.arweave.dev for the listener. If you haven't been there as a marketplace, it incorporates the universal data license, which is a big part of fair AI protocol to my understanding. And it embeds these, these license and these rights components directly from a prompt. You can just connect it right into Bazaar. And now you have a publication, you know, pathway, if you will, a means of promoting whatever it is that you've generated uh, to a to ideally a broader audience, and now you've spoken about rare weave. It's just really nice because we're obviously at the very very beginning stages of this notion of the universal content marketplace uh, kind of protocol. The universal data license, you know, the universal data license was only shared, you know, at the time of this recording just a few months ago, and you've already integrated those things. Bazaar is already out. With fully integrated with the universal data license, and now you're connecting another marketplace. It sounds, which is Rareweave. What are these these bridges like? I don't know if they're called bridges. Um, I want to be careful about that word. Like, how do you how do you define or what's your experience been like in connecting the dots, so to speak? Right, like in connecting. Okay, well, we have this uh, fair AI, you know, prompt experience. We can generate beautiful outputs through a number of models that have been uploaded. Now we want to, you know, make them into an atomic asset that then is 
presented on Bazaar. Can you share a little bit about the development process thus far and kind of where you see it going forward, given your experience and really leading the charge? Sure. Um, before I, for, I forgot, we also are trying to implement Darwin uh, in our process. So that's also another of those links that you're talking about. And um, just a quick note, Darwin is the evolutionary apps uh, framework. It's darwin.rweave.dev. Just for the listener, if you're not aware, definitely check that out. Greg was on the podcast and a lot of fun there. Sorry, sorry, Chago, yes, go yes, ahead. Yes, indeed. No, no. And um, yeah, it's like you're saying, um, it seems like um, everything, it seems like composable. And basically when you boot something, um, you, you usually it's pretty easy inside the permaweb to others use it, what you already have built and build it on top of it or use it on a, your website um, or whatever. And uh, so far, the experience is like that. Um, also, the community, it's great. And uh, we have uh, it's pretty easy to, to reach out. Uh, so far to all the teams that we have talked with um, reach out to them and ask how, how we could incorporate and they help us. It's really a friendly uh, environment and um, everyone is here to help each other. Um, so far, yes, uh, it's not, it's not uh, what, what uh, I have to say. We are also trying to add, our, um, to add up to the ecosystem. Um, we have plans to, for example, to put uh, an SDK of ours on, uh, on our weave kit. And uh, so others could also use um, our our stack on, on their platform. Um, so yes, overall, it's pretty composable. I would say that that's the main word. Yeah, and, and it is a word. And I, I, what I really love, and I'll come back to this, is it's not just a word, it's an action. And it's being acted upon. Like this is here and right now, the time of this recording in October of 2023, you can go and do this. You can actually go to Fair AI Protocol. You can create or generate via prompts. This all goes to the permaweb. You then have the option to add it to the bizarre marketplace. You can define your universal data license as you see fit and it works. I mean, that's a, that's a huge accomplishment. Um, how have you seen the development of these things as far as like an operation standpoint? I mean, there's a lot of things to figure out here. Uh, one of the things that you have shared publicly, which I found to be really interesting, is the Agile board. Uh, it's on your GitHub. You actually show what's next, what you're working on. Can you share a little bit about you know, how you've been able to build what you've built and the process that you go through in deciding features and things like that? Um, yes, well, that that was uh, mostly what I worked on on my last company. Um, I was pretty much involved in the whole agile mindset inside the company and uh, what we were doing. And uh, yes, I, I'm a big fan of, of Kanban and um, the Kanban framework. And uh, basically, the, the, the whole idea of Kanban is for you to be doing the uh, most important thing that you could be doing at the moment without thinking on the rest. And basically, I have tickets, you prioritize them, and you say, this one is more important than this one. And you do the first one, and you don't think on the second one until you finish the first one. Uh, of course, I'm simplifying, but the, the mindset is, is around this. And um, so we, we follow that. Uh, we follow th those kind of rules as much as we can. And uh, we are a bigger fan of Agile's uh, mindset and Agile way of working. And uh, yes, that's where it came from, the, the, the Agile board. And uh, yes, basically we were developing and I, I think from an open source perspective, 
and uh, also for whatever wants to contribute to our marketplace, it's it's free to to do it. I think it just makes sense for you to share your board and to share what you are doing and what you want to do next. Um, and yeah, the transparency, I think it's key. Um, it was definitely cool to see that and something that is a bit different than what I've seen uh, in a lot of projects. You know, oftentimes, yeah, even an open source project, you're able to access the code and so on. Uh, the operations side of things is, is typically not public. Uh, do you feel a sense of maybe to a, a, a higher degree of necessity to get things done? It's like you don't want something pending on there for months on end. I mean, you're, you're, you have a public eye. Yes, that's true. But uh, I think, um, yeah, I, I think you 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 cannot do that. Otherwise, you 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 feel more pressure, and by feeling more pressure, you'll be less productive. And I I don't think you you should go that way. I, we just get used to it, and uh, people, yeah, indeed, they can see. But at the end of the day, so far, no one came to us saying you you spend one more day working on this. You shouldn't. <laughs> Maybe you should do other things. Well, not so far, and uh, so so far we we didn't feel that pressure. Um, I would say not. And I think there is advantage. And even if that happens sometime, yeah, we we just need to figure out of how how to turn off of that and uh, and just keep going. Yeah, I mean, you've said some important things. The way you've even introduced the Kanban boards in a simplified way, I think, is probably the ideal way to introduce it which is simple simply uh i was just kind of referring to you know having your public basically to-do list is an interesting way of accountability uh and you know obviously we, we all have our own means and methods of of keeping on top of things and being really efficient and effective i was just kind of one of the first things i saw i was like oh okay this is public this is public accountability this is, you know, open sourcing operations, uh, at least from, you know, an internal dialogue task type of environment to everyone seeing it. Uh, anyways, sometimes I think it's fun for fellow listeners and founders and maybe those thinking about starting uh, some of the things that, you know, those that are making things happen are doing um, for, for, for their, you know, organizational structure and, and how how they're, you know, leading, let's say, leading the the operations uh, to, to actually get things done, which is a big deal, right? And you all are getting things done. There's there's a lot more to come. And you mentioned uh, potential rare weave integration, um, and then we can get into some other details uh, as we go forward. I, I wanted to in, incorporate this quote from your X account. And, uh, and this is one of the posts that you've made and I quote, I believe that if sentient AI were to exist, it should be open, decentralized, and accessible to all, rather than being an oracle that dominates the world through a single company slash government, like in Westworld. I just wanted to share that quote and have you respond as to why this is your thinking and how it integrates into fair AI protocol. I think I think I already did a bit of that in the beginning. Um, that's that uh, was also where we came from. Um, that's what made us start this whole project. I were afraid of how things were going, um, and uh, afraid of OpenAI and uh, all the 
and Google having all the data and the whole monopoly around the data and how could you use that to train AIs that basically could eventually maybe be sentient or or become AGIs and by becoming AGIs you basically have even more control and monopoly over certain areas and at the end of things this looks like yeah it will one company have a gigantic oracle that dominates the world and no, people don't even realize that the, the whole life was chosen every single step of it by a single unique identity or government or company and uh, i i think i but at the same time i don't think we should stop progress i'm not uh, in favor of signing that letter to stop um, ai for, from going on because we don't know uh, how things will go um, i'm in fa always in favor of progress uh, we just need to figure out how to make a proper progress and not to make accountability, like you're saying, that's also why open source, even in operation, is important. Um, accountability and ways of figuring out if everything is okay. And with a transparent and open source AI, you at least you can see the, its, flaw, uh, their, its flaws and you can correct them eventually. You can fork it if you want. You can make a, a, a competitor, at least you have two of them competing uh, with, uh, about some kind of philosophy of information. And I think that's a lot the world where I want to be, where where users are accountable for their decisions and they, they make their own decisions. And you can have a lot of AGIs that can be even more intelligent than, than you, but at least you, you at the end of the day, you can choose whatever uh, philosophy and way of thinking you want instead of having something who dictates what you should be or you, what you should do without you even know it. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I really feel your energy on this topic and clearly you're motivated to do something about it because you are. Um, you know, many individuals will, will talk about it and maybe not go towards it. Why are you going towards it? I mean, it sounds obvious. It sounds like a, an obvious question, you know, to us here in this conversation. What, what, there's a lot of things to do. There's a lot of areas to build on. There's, there's several protocols uh, to build on, um, arguably so from my perspective. I see how Arweave is the ideal um, protocol for this. I want to hear from you though, like why are, why are these things so important to you when there's so many other things that, that one can do with, with their life and their energy? Uh, I, I would put the question in the other way around. Why doing anything else? <laughs> like at a, my, my line of thought, this, this was something that I will always wanted to do, to do something that could impact the world in a positive way, at least the way I think should be positive. And uh, this was my dream, to always work in, in something that I really believe and I really wanted to change. And uh, also on the technologies that I, I love, because I, I really love AI. I, I really think it's a great technology um, that would re disrupt the world in the near future in ways that we can't even imagine right now. And I also think more or less the same with blockchain. And just being able to work on the top of the technology on both areas for me is so exciting and, and that's that's uh, again. Why? Why should I be anyone, uh, anyone else uh, on anywhere else? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. I think that's a great response uh, and a powerful one at that. 
Um, yeah, I can really get a sense of your energy and care. And this is one thing that I like to point to on as many occasions as I can, because it happens so much, is there's a real purpose. There's a real sense of purpose in, in what you're doing. And this is, I'll say this, this is very common in the RWEB ecosystem. Purpose is like the primary driver, I feel. And it seems as if you're really resonating with the purpose of FAIR AI protocol. Uh, we've we've spoken a little bit about where AI can go and, um, you know, potential concerns of, of where it can go, depending upon whose hands are involved and where the ownership uh, may lay. How do you see FAIR AI protocol into the future? Uh, right now, you can go to FAIR AI and you can generate your, your, your image of choice. You have text generation, like spoken word, um, rather generation. Uh, what, what do you want to see going forward? I mean, obviously you've launched Fair AI protocol. Uh, you've gotten some usage. You have these great inter, in, you know, connections, these composable ingredients like Bazaar, like other platforms and, and protocols you may incorporate like Rareweave, NFT Marketplace, or Darwin, the evolutionary app uh, concept, integrating stamps. Where do you see this all going? I mean, I, I, I imagine I can, you know, and, and myself and the listeners can, can paint a picture. Just curious, what do you see this? Is this, is this about generating art? Um, and that's kind of what you want to do with it? Or what's the, the larger vision here? Um, larger vis vision is for us to be the main marketplace where people would go for open source AI software. Um, I think that's the larger vision. And to accomplish that, what we are trying to do is to monetize the open source software, um, AI software. So basically, if you would, uh, our main goal is that if you have an open source AI model, you would choose us because we are the ones that make sense and uh, other everyone else wouldn't pay you as much or basically wouldn't get enough revenue or wouldn't have the same user base and same advantages, permanent storage and uh, and composability and so on, so on. So I think this is where we, we aim to be, like the go-to marketplace for open source AI. Got it. And going to that model, there is obviously a fee structure and you have some nice diagrams in your white paper uh, about that fee structure. Um, you know, one of the things is, is like most of these AI kind of chat bots and stuff uh, have premium subscriptions, right? OpenAI has a premium subscription. You just pay it monthly. The way I understand fair AI is that you actually pay per play, let's say. You're, you, you generate something, you select how many images you want. It'll give you uh, a guesstimates uh, on how much it's going to cost or it'll let you know how much it's going to cost rather in, in you. Uh, and, and then you generate whatever it is that you're generating knowing, okay, I'm going to spend this much you, the token, uh, the universal, uh, token, uh, and then I'm going to get this in response. How, how does your model differ from, from those that are, that are currently out there? Obviously I mentioned subscription based versus paid to play, not so much. How does your model differ? What advantages do you see, uh, that you provide that maybe others aren't able to or just are totally missing? Um, okay. Like I was mentioned, if, if you are an AI model creator, uh, an open source one, 
basically what's happening is that everyone is is grabbing your your AI model and putting on their marketplace, not paying you anything for it, and basically just basically getting all the revenue for providing that model or a centralized server to any user that wants. And the user don't get any ownership of that data. In our case, um, the operator, when, when it creates the image, it signs that image, it's from the, for the user and uh, to the user. So basically, it's pretty much clear that the ownership is of the user, not from the, the, the person that is generating it. And um, also, basically, we give a 15% fee to AI model creators. Uh, that's something that you don't have on uh, any other marketplace. So it, your model will be stored forever. And the, the whole idea is that forever you would receive 15% fee for all the usage of that model um, on, on our weave on our marketplace or whoever wants to create a marketplace on our weave and use the same model. That, that was our whole vision. So you can get real royalties from your work. Also, we, we will be implementing soon the like UDL uh, on, on AI models. So basically you would also uh, have a, a, a legal um, obligation to, to, to pay to that for that content usage or, or um, if, if you use that model or potential revenue that you, that you can get in the future. And it's not also UDL, you, you can attach other kind of certificates or other kind of licenses. So you can create your, your own rules. You can, you can say, for example, um, that basically unless someone makes $1 million with some image, you don't need to pay me anything. But if you do more than this, then I have 10% of royalties. You can do these kind of rules. There are infinite ways of playing around this. And all of this, it's, it's something that you don't, you don't have on, on similar marketplaces, on Web2 marketplaces. And it's some of these things you could incorporate, but they are also pretty much a lot difficult uh, to do than 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 on Web three and with our stack. So I want to dive into some of the other features that Fair AI has and showcases through the UI and the platform, if you will, that you have created. Um, one of which is, and you correct me if any of these are off or if there's updates uh, to to things coming. Um, you can swap R for U token, that's the AR token to U token. Um, you can add negative prompts to any of the prompts, so things you you, you want to omit or stay away from, which I think is 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 pretty cool. You can also select the number of images or the output uh, number uh, that you want, and you can adjust accordingly while seeing the difference in price uh, as as it corresponds to what uh, output and what model you're using. That's another thing you can select the model. Uh, you can select which AI model you're actually using and interacting, whether it's doing text to audio or image generation or whatever it may be. And you can change your your model that you're using in one interface. Like it's not going from like, you know, mid-journey to open AI to whatever else. You actually have all of this. This is the essence of the marketplace, right? In one in one place. So it's a real easy interface, then you can add like a ticker. You can add a symbol to the um, permaweb service tokens or some kind, sometimes also called or mostly called uh, profit sharing tokens. Um, you can actually add that ticker. You can have it embedded in the transaction from my understanding. Uh, and you can, as we mentioned, add it to Bizarre Marketplace right through the interface upon generation. 
Does that cover the high-level features or is there something else that you'd like to highlight that Fair AI protocol enables that we haven't discussed? No, I think that's that's pretty much it. Uh, then we you could also upload uh, basically every models that you want and uh, you could also play with that models because we have a, a intermediary step that basically you can use models for different things. For So imagine that you upload a ChatGPT kind of model. Uh, you could you could play around it. You could put some software on top of it. So for example, a filter. So basically imagine that, that you want a kid's version of ChatGPT where anyone that asks something uh, not safe for work, it will filter. You can add it. And you can you can have multiple software on the same model on top of it. So you can also have different configurations with different kind of settings and, and, and so on. And also the user can choose uh, who, who runs the model. We we don't uh, like we directly don't don't run an, any server. So the user can choose uh, anyone can be a provider or render that model for a user, and user would select the best operator. From, from that list uh, that he wants. And the operator has the freedom to choose the price and and to choose, uh, and if, if there is someone that uh, basically don't answer or it's mistrust, you can downvote it and basically it, it gets removed from the marketplace. Um, overall, but yes, overall, uh, I think that's the high overview of it. Well, those are great additions and I'm glad you brought those into the conversation because there's actually a lot more to fair AI protocol. Uh, than what we've discussed. And that has to do with the the operators and the uploading of scripts and all of the components of the, you tell me if this is the most appropriate word, kind of governance or curation model, because you have curators too. Can you share, you know, the basic operations of these various kind of domains or areas of emphasis, right? There's 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 a lot here. There's there's creators, there's curators, there's operators, um, and and more. Do you mind sharing a bit more so the listener can have a full picture of what Fair AI actually includes? Because there's a lot to it. Yes, um, th those are were just names that we called for the different participants uh, of the whole flow. But basically, creators are the ones that upload the AI models itself, the open source uh, AI models. Then the curators are the ones that make the parts that I was talking about, the intermediary step, um, that they choose what are the rules to play with that uh, AI model. Um, and also they, they give some instructions for operators to how to run that model in which operating system, uh, system um, and so, some more details also how to integrate that model uh, and run it through Rweave and so on. Then operators are anyone that has a computer um, and basically wants to run that model and gets all that, uh, that those instructions from the curators and get the model from the creators and they run on their own computers. And this is all decentralized. Anyone can be any any kind of the, these three participants. And at the end, the, the, the user chooses we make this to, to a better UX. We choose for you the best operator available uh, through an algorithm. But the, the whole idea is if you don't like it, you can, you can also choose it manually. You can choose which operator you want to run that specific model uh, in which specific configurations. 
and uh, basically you get the results as you want. And like, for example, I, I was giving that example. If you want to, to have a ChatGPT for kids, you can select that those configurations, select the operator that you as the operator that you trust, and you can give it to, to your children or and this is only a, a small example, but this could be done to, for almost um, anything. Um, the sky is the limit. Uh, There's a lot of fine tuning. Uh, I think is your point as it comes to these models. And with that fine tuning, you have a very specific audience. And you know we've seen in the general market market that is AI uh, a lot of a lot of kind of applications that have been built with fine tuning and stuff. Um, however. Yeah, there's 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 nuance here. There's there's some difference here. Uh, one of which, of course, is that it's all on Arweave, um, and it has the permanent data, uh, you know, augmented layer to it all. Um, and then there's uh, a number of components in here uh, as it relates to the universal data license and having the licensing embedded in it. So it makes the process, it seems, a lot easier for you know AI model creators or AI model curators. Um, this is part of the intention of fair AI, right? It's not just about, you know, okay, uh, there's, you know, there's, there's blockchain involved. Um, it's also about making the experience better overall. And I think this is something in the Arweave ecosystem that, you know, we all need to lean into. It's not just using blockchain to use blockchain. It's using Arweave to augment the experience, to actually add, layers of utility that help creators. Do you mind, like, I know we've spoken about UDL, Universal Data License. I know we've spoken a bit on Universal Content Marketplace. You're a creator yourself, right? You're creating Fair AI Protocol. And we discussed a little bit about, you know, the integrations there. What things have been just way better for you from a development perspective um, by building on Arweave? Um, what the main advantages were the ones that I was talking about uh, is about the technology and what it provides. The, also, we don't have a server, uh, like all our, our marketplace is stored on Arweave, the front end and uh, the back end is the blockchain itself. We don't have a, a database. In the beginning, it was a little bit tricky to, to, to start with because it's a whole different mindset and dynamic around it. But at the end, it's pretty cool that you basically you just deploy your application and it's there forever and you don't need to pay the monthly subscription to Amazon or to whatever just to keep going the application um, and, and the application is it's there no, no matter what happens. I think that that part is pretty cool. Um, and uh, yes, I, I would say that overall that that's the main advantage. And like I was saying, the composability of things is also another big advantage. We, we for example, instead of rebuilding a whole like this like system, uh, we are thinking on incorporating stamps. And stamps has is all dynamic and it has already um, building its own stuff. And basically, we we could grab that all that code and just implement it on our marketplace because everything it, it seems composable and and it it looks cool together. And I would say that. Yeah, those are the two main key points. And those are huge, uh, right? You know, basically your backend is sorted uh, for you and you can uh, create with, you know, composable Legos so you don't have to reinvent the wheel every single time or, you know, deal with 
all sorts of red tape. Um, it, it, it sounds like it, it, it speeds up the development process in that way. And as more tools and, and more protocols are being uh, actively built in the ecosystem, it makes it even better and better for creators like yourself uh, at the fundamental level, the protocol creators, protocol designers, protocol engineers um, to get up and running, which is really great to hear. Um, before we wrap up this episode, Chago, I'm curious to hear anything that you know, you'd like to share with the listeners or something you're looking for um, as it relates to models or curators or operators or what's top of mind for you and FAIR AI protocol? Um, well, as you also can see through our, uh, I wouldn't call it roadmap, like through our uh, agile world, uh, we are currently working a lot on basically trying to improve our SDK, so our, our to organize our backend. So basically, we could be a lot easier uh, incorporated in other projects. Uh, that was mainly what we are working on. Uh, we also want to implement a lot of uh, a, a lot of better UX, uh, user experience, and uh, also we want and user experience in all areas. We we want to be. A re- as as much as possible, like a web two application um, experience. So we want to have mobile versions um, and uh, integrations with with uh, all kinds of things that make the user using the application easier. Um, and this is what mostly is in our mind uh, recently. And um, what what was your the other question? Sorry. Yeah, if there's anything that you'd like, you know, to ask the community, ask the listener. Um, possibly to either assist with or things that you want, you know, someone to, to have a, another look at anything on that front or, or any opportunity that, that may, that may be presented for the listener. Okay. Well, we have a community, uh, like I was saying, our Twitter is fair AI protocol. So whoever wants to join our community there, you, you have a link tree where you can find out our discord and all our, um, main, main channels and way of contacting us. And uh, yeah, if, if you want to use the app, please use it, try it, and uh, then came to us and, and tell us about your, your experience. We're always um, willing to, to listen to, to feedback and uh, yeah, be part of our community and, and, and join it. All right, Chago, with that, we'll wrap up this episode of the Permweb Pioneers podcast uh, featuring Chago, one of the co-founders. There's three all great individuals in their own regard and making it happen for Fair AI Protocol, um, which enables you know a decentralized marketplace for open source AI models all on Arweave. Chago, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. And thank you so for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Permaweb Pioneers, a podcast focused on growing awareness of Arweave and the Permaweb. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Otherwise, share this episode with friends and family and whoever else you think may find it useful and interesting. Thank you for being a part of our community of pioneering long-term thinkers securing the present and future of data.